Hello and welcome into the First Dan Football Show. I am your host, Tobias Brown. And folks, it's finally here. Playoff football is upon us. And in today's episode, we are going to preview each and every one of those playoff matchups for this upcoming weekend. But before we get into that, I want to update you guys on the crazy coaching carousel in the NFL. If you've seen the news, David Culley is out as the Houston Texans head coach. He, of course, was fired after just one season at the helm. He went 4-13. and You know, obviously, that's a not good record, you know, keeping it blunt. He, it wasn't a good season for the Texans, but I'm not really sure what the Texans expected. I mean, when we're talking about your QB room being a combination of Tyrod Taylor and Davis Mills. And at one point they were talking as if they were going to move Jeff Driscoll from quarterback to tight end. And that was going to suddenly be a major factor for their offense. When those are the types of conversations we're having around your offense, chances are you're not a good football team. And it showed the Texans went four and 13. I still though felt that Cully deserved a chance to, you know, have a second season. I will say the one thing though, since the Texans have fired Cully, I do feel like the names that they have brought up in you know, regards to replacing him have at least been productive. Brian Flores, they are looking to interview right now, which obviously I've said, if Brian Flores gets a job anywhere, he's going to make the football team instantly better, in my opinion. So I don't mind that. The other name that they're seriously considering is Gerard Mayo, currently a defensive coach for the New England Patriots, former NFL linebacker. And I expect the Houston Texans to look at guys with ties to the New England Patriots because their general manager has long ties to the New England Patriots. When he took the job last year in Houston, he came from the Patriots. So expect him to want to get some guys he's familiar with. Really, the only reason I don't think it makes sense for the Texans to have moved on from Cully is the money they still owe him. They're still going to have to pay him $17 million over the next three seasons. So doesn't make a ton of sense from that regard. But hey, Houston obviously either thinks that they have a chance to contend if they go get a coach like Brian Flores, or it could have been something more eternal, internal that they just didn't feel that Cully was developing the young guys well enough. We'll never know. But other news to keep an eye on, Eric Weddle, longtime NFL safety. Of course, he played with the Chargers, Ravens, and Rams. He's out of retirement. He's come out of retirement, and he's going to suit up for the LA Rams in the playoffs. Um, Rams, obviously, without safety, Jordan Fuller, former seventh-round pick out of Ohio State. He's out for the playoffs, so in comes in Eric Weddle. Going to be interesting to see what kind of football shape he's in. We've seen guys do this before. Jared Veld here did it last year. You know, tackle. He came out, played for the Colts and the Packers in the playoffs. So it's not unheard of. It's just going to be interesting to see what kind of football shape he's in. And another playoff team making a move. The Buccaneers signed John Brown, wide receiver, to their practice squad. That move they need. They've got a lot of injuries at the receiver position. And John Brown has played good football you know, most notably with the Buffalo Bills, but he was recently with the Raiders as well. Be interesting to see if John Brown can get up to speed quick enough to make an impact in this weekend's game. But let's look at these games. You know, we're going to start with the AFC slate and then we'll move on to the NFC slate. But looking first at that Bengals Raiders game, they did play each other earlier this year. They've squared off in week 11 and the Bengals came away with a 32 to 13 win really in that game. The Raiders did one thing well, and that was they were able to generate a ton of pressure on Joe Burrow. Their pass rush is legit. Max Crosby, he led the NFL in pressures this year. He had a terrific season and was rewarded with a Pro Bowl berth. Yannick Ngakwe, former first-round pick for the Jags, he has been special for the Raiders as well. The Raiders are going to be without Darius Phylon. He suffered a nasty knee injury in Week 18 against the Chargers, so they're going to need guys like 
Jonathan Hankins and Quentin Jefferson to step it up and have big games for that pass rush to still be successful. But the one thing I noticed as well with this game, though, that as well as the Raiders pass rush did, the Raiders secondary just played that much worse. I mean, they just could not contain guys like Jamar Chase, you know, and it's to be expected. They've got a ton of young corners. Really, their most experienced corner is Casey Hayward and Casey Hayward's best football is behind him. It's going to be hard for the Raiders, I think, to really do anything as far as when their corners are matched up one-on-one with the Bengals wide receivers. And the Bengals have one of the deepest wide receiver rooms in football. You Obviously, it starts with Jamar Chase, but you look at Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins. I even, I, I mean, I like Auden Tate, you know, former Florida State product. He's a big body receiver. The Bengals have a lot of weapons to throw the football to. And that's why, really, the keys to the game for me, it's simple. The Raiders, they have to get after Burrow. The Bengals, as good as their passing weapons are, their offensive line is bad. I mean, it's just a bad unit. You're starting a rookie center, Trey Hopkins out of Georgia. He has not played well this year. Jackson Carmen, their second round pick out of Clemson, has been benched. You know, what does that look like? Hakeem Adenogy's come in. He's played a little bit, not very well. Probably their best lineman this year's former first round pick, Jonah Williams out of Alabama. And even then, he has had his struggles, especially in their first matchup. In the first matchup between the Raiders and Bengals, you know, Jonah Williams really struggled with Yannick Ngakwe. Ngakwe had his way with that left side, whether it was Williams or Quentin Spain. Really, Ngakwe was able to do whatever he wants. And if the Raiders want to win this game, they have to emulate that pressure again. You get after Burrow, strip sacks, and also Burrow's prone to make poor decisions. Earlier in the year when they played the Bears, Burrow threw four interceptions. So it's not unheard of for Burrow to get hurried and make bad decisions with the football. Other things that the Raiders got, they have to do if they want to win this game. You've got to make the Bengals run the football. We know that if the Bengals are able to air it out and hit big plays, this is over. And I've got that as one of my keys to the game for the Bengals. They've got to hit the big plays. If you hit just two big plays to Jamar Chase, you're going to break the will of this Raiders secondary. And that's why the Raiders have to make the Bengals a more running attack. Joe Mixon's a good running back, but I'm not sure that this Bengal offensive line is good enough to dominate the line of scrimmage. So, Those are really the keys to the game for the Raiders. Bengals, simple. Hit the big plays on offense because you have, I mean, all around, the Bengals have the better football team. They have the better offensive unit. They have the better defensive unit. And I know that'll surprise some people because, like we've talked about, the Raiders have such a fearsome pass rush with Max Crosby, with Yannick Ngakwe. But the Bengals' defensive line is just as good. Trey Hendrickson, coming from the New Orleans Saints this offseason, has given that Bengal defense a new identity. The Bengals, though, also went and got Larry Ogunjobi, former defensive tackle from the Cleveland Browns. DJ Reader has been very nice for them as far as internal pass rush goes. You know, and the secondary, I think the secondary is a huge nod to the Bengals, whether it's Jesse Bates at safety, Mike Hilton, Eli Apple. That Bengal defense is just head and shoulders above the Raiders. Really, the only area where I think the Raiders are better than the Bengals is in special teams, and that's really solely because the Raiders have a Pro Bowler on their special team unit. A.J. Cole is the Pro Bowl punter for the AFC, leads the NFL in net yardage. So I don't think that having the better punter is enough to win the football game, though, and I do expect the Bengals to get the win here 35-24. to Moving on, though, let's look at that Chiefs and Steelers game. Again, these two teams also played each other in the regular season, most recently matching up in Week 16, where the Chiefs came out with the win 36-10. to Something to keep in mind with that game, although it was an absolute shellacking by the Chiefs, they didn't have Travis Kelsey in that game. They were playing guys like Blake Bell and rookie Noah Gray out of Duke. So 
they didn't even have really any tight end in that game. And somehow they still won 36 to 10. And really the reason they were able to do it is because the Steelers offensive line could do nothing against the Bengals defensive line. I mean, against the Chiefs defensive line, the Chiefs defensive line is special. Frank Clark's finally playing like Frank Clark should be playing. Chris Jones, obviously we know how special he is. They went and got Melvin Ingram from the Steelers, Jaron Reed as well. The Chiefs have a great defensive line and the Steelers have a terrible offensive line. And the thing is, is what is the health of that Steelers offensive line going to look like? Are they going to be able to have Dan Moore at left tackle? Or are they going to have to start Joe Haig again? We saw in the Steelers week 18 matchup against the Ravens, Joe Haig struggled mightily out there at left tackle. So Steelers offensive line is going to be a struggle, but the Steelers defense also could not stop the Chiefs offense. And that doesn't really shock anybody. I mean, the Steelers defense outside of the pass rush of, you know, Cam Hayward and TJ Watt, the Steelers defense has been a letdown this year. But I think what shocked me when I rewatched this game was the Steelers just give, they didn't give up any big plays. They just couldn't get off the field. It wasn't like the Chiefs were hitting big bombs to Tyreek Hill. It was just the Steelers could not stop the Chiefs from getting six, seven, eight yards on every play. Couple things to keep in mind with this game, though, is Clyde Edwards-Alaire, the former first-round running back for the Chiefs. He's out this game. Could affect the Steelers, you know, could affect the Chiefs' running ability. But what we've seen with the Steelers is, it doesn't matter if it's a starting running back or a backup running back. The Steelers still can't stop them. The Steelers have the worst run defense in football. The only good news for the Steelers really in this game is Juju Smith-Schuster has been practicing this week, and there is an outside chance that he could play in the football game. If he does, it's obviously going to help the Steelers' passing attack. You know, you put him with Deontay Johnson, Claypool, Pat Fryermuth at tight end, and the Steelers have some weapons in the passing attack. But if the Steelers want to win the football game, they've got to do two things. One, you got to get pressure on Mahomes. You got TJ Watt, you got Cam Hayward, you got to unleash him in this game, and you have to get pressure on Mahomes because Mahomes has thrown questionable passes this year it's just a lot of them are getting dropped a lot of interceptions that Mahomes has thrown have been dropped and that's why his stats look better than they have this year so you got to get pressure on Mahomes you got to be able to run the football you have to be able to run block and run the football we saw it in the Chiefs week 18 game the Broncos were able to establish a run and that's why the Broncos were in that football game for as long as they were Steelers have to be able to run block for the Chiefs it's pretty simple Take care of the football and win the line of scrimmage. If you take care of the football, if you avoid costly mistakes, you are the better football team. You know, the Chiefs are all around the better football team, so all they got to do is play smart football, take care of the football, and win the line of scrimmage. You have the better offensive line. We've talked about how bad the Steeler offensive line is. And for as bad as the Steeler offensive line is, the Chiefs have a great offensive line. You know, they invested a lot of money to go sign Joe Thune this offseason at guard. They spent a lot of draft capital to trade for Orlando Brown, the tackle from the Ravens, but then they made two really smart draft picks. Creed Humphrey, the center out of Oklahoma, who's the highest graded center in the entire NFL this season. And then in the sixth round, they drafted guard Trey Smith out of Tennessee. He has played really nice for them as well. The one hole on their offensive line is at right tackle Lucas Niang, former TCU Horned Frog. He has been playing at right tackle for them most of this year. And that's where the Steelers, they have to be able to exploit that hole that the Chiefs have at right tackle. And really, I think that needs to be TJ Watt versus Lucas Niang. And I think Watt could win that matchup pretty easily. You know, comparing their units, I think it's pretty simple. Chiefs have the better offense. Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. Chiefs easily have the better offense. I don't think it comes as any surprise. The Chiefs also have the better defense. I think the Chiefs have the better special teams as well. I mean, the if you look at the Steelers special teams, Ray Ray McLeod's not a bad returner. Chris Boswell's not a bad kicker, but Presley Harvin, the rookie punter out of Georgia Tech, he struggled this year. 
And if you look at the Chiefs, I think Harrison Butker may just slight, be a slightly better kicker. But the bottom line, this isn't going to come down to special teams. I don't think this game will be close. I expect the Chiefs to win this one going away, 38-17. to Looking at the last AFC matchup, we've got the Patriots and Bills, a matchup of AFC East foes. And so obviously with these two teams being divisional rivals, they've of course played each other as well this season. Played each other twice this year, first matching up in Week 13 in the game where Mac Jones only threw three passes the entire game. Somehow the Patriots were still able to come out with a win in that game. They won that game 14 to 10. Then they put each other in week 16. The Bills were able to get a little revenge, though. They won that game 33-21. And I know a lot of people will say, well, you can't look at the week 13 matchup too much because, I mean, Mac Jones is going to throw more than three passes. And I would agree with you. Mac Jones will throw more than three passes in this football game. But the reason Mac Jones didn't throw very much in the first, you know, their first matchup in week 13 was the weather. And guess what? There is supposed to be a lot of inclement weather in this weekend's matchup. The high temperature for kickoff is zero degrees. With that, you know, Buffalo, it's going to be windy. I expect the Patriots to try and establish the run again. They've got a very nice running back room with guys like James White, Brandon Bolden, Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson. They're going to try and establish the run because they also know they're going to be without starting left tackle Isaiah Wynn. He did not make the trip to Buffalo. So you know the pass protection for Mac Jones is not going to be nearly as good. It looks like Justin Hernan is going to play left tackle for the Patriots. I will tell you, the Pats have one of the deeper offensive line units in the NFL because if Hernan doesn't work out, they can easily just slide Trent Brown over to left tackle and then put Michael Onyewu over at right tackle. Onyewu is one of the top 20 rated right tackles in all of football. He's just starting at guard this year too. So, I mean, the Pats do have a lot of options to fill that hole, but I do expect them to still try and run the football a ton. For the Bills, it's pretty simple. The Bills have the more explosive offense. Josh Allen is the best football player on the field. He has got a cannon of an arm. That arm can throw a football 65, 70 yards with ease, but he's also such a threat with his running ability. And if the Bills want to win the football game, they've got to unleash Josh Allen. They've got to let him throw the football downfield. They've got to let him get out of the pocket and run a little bit. I think their rushing attack is slowly coming on with the emergence of Matt Breida here late in the season. I think guys like Devin, Devin Singletary and Zach Moss have benefited from that. That's what the Bills have to do to win the game. For the Patriots, it's pretty simple. Bats have to control the line of scrimmage. Got to be able to run the football. If you know that you want to run it, you obviously have to dominate the offensive line, but I think the Patriots' defensive line has to come to play as well. Guys like Devon Godshaw, you know, Lawrence Guy, Matt Judon, they got to get after Josh Allen if they want to win this game. Bills, like I said, you got to unleash Josh Allen, but you also got to take care of the football. Josh Allen is prone to make mistakes with the football, and you cannot give Bill Belichick extra chances to hurt you. I do expect the Bills to be able to win this game, though. I'm expecting the Bills to win 28-20. Moving on to the NFC matchups, let's look at the Buccaneers and Eagles. These teams also played each other in the regular season. They matched up in Week 6. The Buccaneers were able to come away with a 28-22 win in that game. And really what I took away from their matchup was the Eagles just couldn't get their passing game going that day. You know, it's well documented. The Eagles have had some injuries along the offensive line this year. It's not been all sunshine and rainbows there in Philly all this season. And they couldn't get the passing game going that game. But the one thing I did notice that kept them in it was the Buccaneers could not keep Jalen Hurts hemmed in in the pocket. You know, Hurts was able to escape. He was able to run on them quite a bit. And I think that could be an issue for the Buccaneers again. You know, the Bucs, there's a ton of injuries for the Bucs. That's one real big thing to keep an eye on. The Bucs have a ton of injuries on both the offensive side and the defensive side. Obviously, 
the receiver position, it's well documented. Chris Godwin's out for the year. Cyril Grayson, who's a backup receiver from for them, he caught the game-winning touchdown in the game against the Jets. He's likely out for this game. That's kind of what necessitated the John Brown signing. So you've got the injuries at receiver. Obviously, the Antonio Brown debacle, he's no longer on the roster. But also Richard Sherman, you know, corner, he was placed on IR, so he's not going to be available for the game. A lot of injuries for the Buccaneers. Eagles, that's pretty simple. You have just got to get Jalen Hurts going. He has, And I, I think they will have a chance. I don't think, you know, for as good as the Buccaneers' defensive line is with guys like Jason Pierre-Paul and Vita Vea, it, that's really where it stops with the Buccaneers, in my opinion. I know everybody thinks Devin White is this great running back, I mean, great linebacker, but I, I, Devin White makes highlight plays, but overall, he misses a lot of plays as well. And I think that, more than likely, Todd Bowles is going to use a guy like Devin White, a more athletic linebacker, to spy on Jalen Hurts. And I think that could bode well for the Eagles. I think Jalen Hurts could cause a guy like Devin White a lot of issues. Eagles defensively, you know, all the Bucks have right now on their passing attack is Mike Evans and Rob Gronkowski. So you need to stick to those two guys and make someone like Scotty Miller beat you. If the Buccaneers want to win this game, they're going to have to have guys like Scotty Miller step up. A guy like Le'Veon Bell is going to have to make plays for them if they want to win this game. And the bottom line is I think the Buccaneers will win this game. I do not think Tom Brady is going to lose his first playoff game, not with this unit. I think the Bucs win this game 28-17. Really the big reason, as much fits as I think Jalen Hurts can give with his running ability, I just don't think he has the receiving talent around him. I think Devontae Smith is a nice receiver. But what else do they have outside of Devontae Smith? Their second leading receiver was Quez Watkins this year. I mean, outside of Devontae Smith, Quez Watkins, that's not exciting anybody. You know, Dallas Goddard has been banged up. Greg Ward Jr. is not impressive. And then it's a bunch of bust, whether it's Jalen Rager or J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. So that's why I don't expect the Eagles to win. Moving on, though, we finally found a game where the two teams didn't play each other. The Cowboys and 49ers only weekend matchup where the two teams didn't match up in the regular season. So a little bit of a shorter preview with them. Really, for me, big thing, Cowboys running defense. If you watch the Cowboys play this year, outside of Micah Parsons, they have very few good run defenders. Leighton Vander Esch is not playing the run nearly as well this year at linebacker. Keanu Neal is not playing the run very well, moving from safety to linebacker. So I expect the 49ers to be able to run the football on the Dallas Cowboys. And we saw it, you know, even though the Cowboys won their week 18 game, we've talked about how that was against the Eagles backups, but we also talked about in the last episode, how the Eagles were still able to run the football with guys like Kenneth Gainwell and guys like Jason Huntley. And the 49ers have better running backs than that. So I expect the 49ers to be able to run the football really where I think the 49ers could have some issues is the Cowboys have a lot of weapons in their passing attack, you know, they have Amari Cooper. They have Dalton Schultz at tight end. They have C.D. Lamb. And, you know, you can say, well, Michael Gallup's out. He tore his ACL. But we saw Cedric Wilson. Cedric Wilson did look really good in the Week 18 matchups against the Eagles. So I, I do think the Cowboys have a nice passing attack. But we've seen what the 49ers do with good passing attacks. We saw them play the Rams last week. And, you know, I know the Rams jumped out to a 17-0 lead on the 49ers. But... When the 49ers settled down, they held the Rams to only 150 yards of total offense in the second half in overtime. And that's impressive. When you're playing a Rams offense that has guys like Cooper Cup, who just won the Triple Crown for receiving, it's got guys like Tyler Higbee at tight end, Odell Beckham Jr. You know, that's that's impressive to be able to do that. And that's why I really, I do, I think the 49ers are going to win this football game. I think the 49ers 
they have the better defense than the Cowboys. Really, the Cowboys may have the better offense, but the Cowboys also are having a lot of issues on special teams. And in a game like this, where you're kind of evenly matched, I think it can come down to special teams sometimes. And the Cowboys, their kicker, Greg Zerline, has missed six extra points this year. That's not going to get it done in playoff football. But I I don't think it's going to be that close. I think the 49ers win this one pretty comfortably, actually. I think they win 31-20. to 20. Really, the main reason is I think it's going to come down to coaching. I think you got a young, innovative mind like Kyle Shanahan. I think he's going to pull out all the stops to win. And I think a guy like Mike McCarthy, he's a little more rigid of a play caller. I kind of wonder, you know, their offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore, he's hearing the whispers about being able to go get a head coaching job. You know, I, I, I see the Cowboys kind of imploding in this game. Last matchup of the weekend, though, we've got Rams and Cardinals, an NFC West division rival. Um, these two teams played each other twice this year, first in week four. Cardinals pulled out the win 37 to 20, and then they matched up in week 14. Rams were able to get revenge in that game and win the game 30 to 23. And really what you can take away, you know, in the first game, it was it was the Kyler Murray show. Kyler Murray did whatever he wanted to the Rams in the first game. In the second game, the Rams were able to adjust and they got pressure. They got a ton of pressure on Murray. Great gains played out of his mind in the second game for the Rams. And Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd, they did their thing. And that's really the key for the Rams to win the football game is their pass rush. When you've got Aaron Donald, it's uh, it allows other guys like Leonard Floyd, and Leonard Floyd and Greg Gaines, like we talked about, to eat. And we saw it. They got four sacks on Murray the last time they played. Last week when the Cardinals played the Seahawks, you know, the Seahawks do not have a good pass rush. It's, it's pretty well documented how bad that Seahawk defense is, yet they were still able to sack Murray five times in the matchup last week. So that that's a huge thing. The Rams have to be able to get a pass rush, you know, but we talk about, you know, Murray getting sacked a ton. But if you look at Matt Stafford on the other side, on the Ram offense, over the last four games, Matt Stafford's thrown eight interceptions. So if you want to talk about a key for the Cardinals to win the game, just force Matt Stafford into some turnovers. I mean, we've seen that it can happen. It's not necessarily just pass rush. You know, Stafford is just making poor decisions with the football right now, whether it's thrown into double coverage or I think Stafford, with the talent he has on offense, is trying to let those guys make plays, which... You can say, well, yeah, he should. When you have a guy like Odell Beckham Jr., you got to throw it up and let him have a chance at it. And I agree with that. But sometimes when you're pressing too much, you got to just take the smart play, hit the check down. And I think if the Cardinals want to win, they got to force some turnovers. Along with being able to get pressure on the quarterback, though, for the Rams, they got to be able to run the football, too. You know, we've seen over the last few games, the Rams rushing attack has just not looked good. I know Cam Akers is slowly getting back into the fold, and it'll be interesting to see you know, what kind of percentage he's able to play at and what kind of impact he has. I just don't think Sony Michelle or Daryl Henderson have done enough to make me think that the Rams rushing attack is going to be able to do anything in this game. And I, I think Kyler Murray is going to eat in this game. I think Kyler Murray is going to have a big game. And I think, you know, as long as the Cardinals are healthy, there's rumors that JJ Watt is going to play in this game. And obviously if DeAndre Hopkins is fully healthy, I expect the Cardinals to win 38 to 30. And I think the Rams are going to have some soul searching to do because I can tell you if the Rams have an early exit, there's going to be a lot of tough questions out there in LA because you, you know, do you resign Odell Beckham Jr.? You know, was the Matt Stafford trade worth it? You know, what do you do with Von Miller? You just gave up a second and a third round pick to go get Von Miller. Do you resign him? Do you even have money to resign Odell Beckham and Von Miller? Because you have guys like Jalen Ramsey, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. You know, Aaron Donald, they've got some big contracts already on the books. So 
it could be some ugly times out there in LA if they don't win this football game. You know, obviously we didn't talk about the Packers and Titans because they have first round buys, so they are not playing this weekend. Really probably a good thing for the Titans more than anything. It gives Derrick Henry an extra week to rest up. And I, that could be huge for the Titans as they go on a playoff run. Really, if you're a Packers and Titans fan, you're listening to this. Really, all you need to know is whoever the lowest seed is after this you know, weekend, that's who you would play next weekend. So that's this. That's today's episode. We'll be back Tuesday. We're not going to do a Monday pod because there is a playoff game on Monday between the Rams and Cardinals. So we're going to wait and film late Monday night, early Tuesday morning just after that game that of course will be a review pod and it'll just be the same schedule again next week but that's all we got today for you guys hope you guys enjoyed it like i say rate review subscribe to the podcast and we'll see you later have a good one